Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Shabbat Shalom 
J.M. in the A.M. There we go. I didn't realize that that was the uh, that that was the um, name of that song by Shlomi Daskal by Heben Soa. It's a nice song from the uh, Sheer series done by uh, Shlomi Huda Rechnitz. Avremo had Enkalokenu, Yechad Sheyu, Shwebel Sharf and Levine, Words Will Say Tomorrow, Lipa had Melech Machem Lachim, the Lel Shabbat medley done by Micha Gammerman, and of course Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Friday on this May 7th, the 25th of ER. Good morning, everybody. The year 5781, Tufshin Pei Aleph. Today is day number 40 in the counting of the Omer. Day number 40, that's five weeks. And five days. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. Yom Yushalayim comes up on Monday. Our big special is Monday morning. We're on the road next Thursday. This coming Thursday, we'll be visiting a wonderful community in New Jersey for JM and the AM this coming Thursday morning. And, um, oh, right, then it's Shavuos. Then we get to Shavuos next weekend, Sunday night. Tzarev Shabbos, Parshas, Bahar, and Bechukosai as we wrap up the Book of Vayikra, that is Bahar and the Bichukosai. And uh, candle lighting time here in New York, 7.38. 7.38, your candle lighting time. A lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow, hence the uh, Yechad Shehu that I said. Uh, we'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Sivan will be a one-day Rosh Chodesh. That's Wednesday, Wednesday. A one-day Rosh Chodesh Sivan. And Sunday is Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to Stacy Siegel and all the moms out there. Happy Mother's Day from all of us here at JM in the AM. 53 degrees, 50% humidity, winds in northeast, 5 miles an hour, partly cloudy, high of 63. Then tonight, cloudy and a low of 49. Tomorrow, showers in this area. Looks like a wet Shabbos with a high of 54 degrees. That's it? Just 54 tomorrow? Wow. Boy, oh boy. 77 in Yerushalayim, 53 here in New York City as we say good morning on a Friday. Erev Shabbos at JM in the AM. Harry Rothenberg a half hour from now with words about Bahar and Bechukosai. It was great having Harry live on the air last Friday at the Lag Omer celebration. Uh, Rabbi Yudin coming up in the 8 o'clock hour with Bahar and Bechukosai. Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He will join us at 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time to talk about Israel and the Jewish world. So lots happening. Lots going on here in the uh, here in the um, hub of great Jewish radio, JM and the AM and the Nachum Siegel Network. Lots going on. <laughs> wow, it's Shabbos Mavarchim Sivan already. It's pretty amazing. Rosh Chodesh is coming Wednesday. Boy, oh boy. Uh, more coming up. We've got this great selection from uh, Eitan Katz on a, there we go, on a uh, Friday, Erev Shabbos at JM in the AM. Did he die, 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 die?
From one week ago, our Lagba Omeric Stravaganza. Pretty amazing. Avram Rosenblum, the Diasperados, Hafachta, Diaspora before that with Altira. You heard Sosa Sis, that was David Gabe. Eitan Katz, the Breasts of Lachadodi, here at JMM. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. This is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web at AlchemSegal.com and the AlchemSegal Network, and of course, any beloved NSN app. Golly, it's all in the background. Day 40 in the counting of the Omer. Five weeks, five days. Today's day number 40. It's Erev Shabbos, Parshas, Bahar, and Bechukosai. Shabbos, Chazak. Candle lighting at 738 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Rosh Chodesh Sivan is Wednesday. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Sivan's a one-dayer on Wednesday. And happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Galei Tzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. Newscast next to J-Man. Galei Tzal, Asha 2, Shalom Rav, Ba'ulpan El-Azar, Ben Lolo, Im, Ma Shekore Achshav. Mission Pigua Samuch Livsis Salem, Shebitzfon HaShomron, Shlosha Mechablim, Igiu Mukdam, Yotar Ayom, Lakmisa, Labasis, Ufotchu Beyeri, Le'ever Lohamei Tzahal, En Nifgaim. הלוחמים שהתארגנו לפעילות מבצעית הגיבו באש ונטרלו את שלושת המחבלים, שניים מהם חוסלו ואחד פונה במצב אנוש לבית החולים העמק באפולה. לוחמת מגב שסיכלה את הפיגוע וירתה בשני המחבלים סיפרה, הכל קרה פתאום, תפסתי מחסה והתחלתי לראות. יושבת ראש נעמת חגית פאר ברכה את פעילות הלוחמת ואמרה, 
הפעולה המקצועית והאמיצה של הלוחמת היא התשובה הטובה ביותר למי שעוד יש לו ספק לגבי שילובן של נשים בתפקידי לוחמה בצה"ל. כתבנו ביהודה ושומרון שחר גליק מוסיף כי כל אחד מהמחבלים נשא איתו רובה אוטומטי מסוג קרלו וסכין, אחד מהם החזיק בכיסיו גם תחמושת נוספת למילוי. בתוך כך גורם ביטחוני מסר לכתבנו לענייני צבא וביטחון צחי דבוש כי הוגברה הכוננות בסוף השבוע ברגע סיום רמדאן ויום ירושלים. ראש הממשלה נתניהו שוחח בטלפון עם נשיא רוסיה ולדימיר פוטין. המנהיגים דנו בהתפתחויות האחרונות בזירה הצפונית ובסוגיות אזוריות נוספות. מוקדם יותר שוחח יושב ראש הסוכנות היהודית יצחק בוז'י הרצוג עם שר החוץ הרוסי סרגי לברוב לרגל ציון יום ניצחון הצבא האדום ובעלות בריתה של גרמניה הנאצית במלחמת העולם השנייה שיצוין בסוף השבוע. העם היהודי לא שוכח את החוב המוסרי הענק שהורחב לצבא האדום שמיגר את הצורר הנאצי ושחרר את ניצולי מחנות ההשמדה אמר הרצוג והוסיף בשנה האחרונה ראינו עלייה בהתבטאויות האנטישמיות ברשתות החברתיות. יש חשש אמיתי שלאחר סיום מגבלות הנגיף נראה פגיעה ממשית ביהודים ברחבי העולם. כך הרצוג מדבריו הביאה כתבתנו המדינית מוריה אסרה וולברג. כתב אישום הוגש נגד שני צעירים תושבי ראשון לציון בחשד לדקירתו של נער בן 17 במהלך ויכוח שאירע השבוע. בתיגרה פונה הפצוע כשהוא באורח בינוני לקבלת טיפול רפואי עם חבלה בבטנו. מעצרם הוארך בבית המשפט עד להגשת כתב אישום היום וכן בקשה להארכת מעצרם עד תום ההליכים. מזג האוויר בהיר, הטמפרטורות תרדנה במקצת, אך מחר יהיה חם מהרגיל התשרבי, בעיקר בהרים ובפנים הארץ. אלה החדשות. בחסות קבוצת אבי ולניגרו, המשווקות את מיזם המגורים רובע. Thank you. 
J.M. in the A.M. In honor of Shabbos Chazak, it's Barry Weber and Chazak here at J.M. in the A.M. Well, as many of you remember from last Friday when Harry Rothenberg joined us live at the Lagba Omer extravaganza, uh, he is closer than mo- than many, or than most, to the um, to the tragedy because of a family connection. And um, obviously, I could state that to everybody who. Uh, continues to um, just, I should say, just like everybody in the Jewish world continues to mourn and to feel the collective Jewish pain um, during this Shiva week. We especially remember those victims and are thinking of those victims' families during this this very difficult time for them. Harry Rothenberg has words about Bahar Bechukosai and the actual title of um, of this uh, presentation is Mayron, the aftermath. Harry Rothenberg on a Friday morning Arab Shabbos at JM in the AM. 
Last Thursday night, when my wife and I heard about the tragedy in Israel, we immediately started calling our sons, who we knew were planning to go to Mehron. One of them had not yet left, thankfully. The other one was there. When we spoke to him, he was traumatized. He was in the tunnel when the event happened and narrowly escaped when, thank God, a police officer yanked down a wall to let him extricate himself from the tangle of bodies. We were simultaneously devastated over the news that so many had died, but also thankful that our family had been spared. But then we realized, found out soon thereafter that we thought that too soon because our daughter-in-law's 13-year-old brother, Ozzy Koltai, was missing. We stayed up that night and the next morning praying, hoping that he'd be found alive in a hospital. But late morning, we got the news that he was one of the 45 who had perished. 13 years old, one of the sweetest kids, one of the sweetest human beings you'd ever want to meet, taken away in an eye blink. As I film this, my daughter-in-law and her parents and her siblings are sitting shiva for their son, for their brother. It's unspeakable. It's unthinkable. There are no words to describe, to fathom the heartbreak. And it's times like this that that voice starts yapping in our ear. How can there be a God? If there's a God, how could he possibly let that happen? On Lagba Omer? At the tomb of Rav Shimon Bar Yochai? 45 people, including children? And that's when we need to answer that voice back forcefully. And remember, as I heard it said once, that those who believe in God have to explain why bad things happen to good people. But those who don't have to explain everything else challenge me. Ask me why this happened and I surrender. I will wave the white flag because I cannot begin to answer that question. It would be folly. It would be hubris, ridiculous. Asking God why? Asking God to explain himself? Dragging God down from heaven into the courtroom of man? No, we can't do that. That's one of the cornerstones of our belief. We understand that most of the time he pays us with cash. He explains himself. But sometimes, on occasion, he says, I want to give you a credit card, or I want to give you an IOU. You're just going to have to trust me on this one. We'll get our answers eventually. But as one rabbi said, I'd rather be down here with questions than up there with answers. There are answers. We'll get those answers when we get upstairs. But we have to remember and we have to tell that voice and others who are asking, I can answer everything else. I can tell you who created us. I can tell you why he did that. I can tell you what he wants from us. I can share with you the secret that he shared with us to a deeply meaningful, fulfilling life. So no, I can't answer that one question but I can answer everything else. And I know deep down that even in times like this, when it seems like he has abandoned us, he hasn't, he's up there suffering with us because he loves us, each of us, more than anyone else in the world. When I got the news, I said, I have to do something big. I have to change. I have to be a different, better person. And I still want to do that. But then my daughter-in-law's mother sent me a message and asked me to share it with others. She said, please ask people 
to take on something small in Ozzy's memory because it was the small things, the details that were important to him. And I thought about that a lot. And yes, I still want to change and I still want to do something big. But changing only occurs day by day. It doesn't last if you try to one day wake up and be a different person, become a better person. It's little things. Taking on something small. It can be something ritualistic between you and God, something related to Shabbos observance or the holidays or the kosher laws. Or it can be something interpersonal, proper speech, controlling our temper, giving charity. If each one of us takes on something small, if millions of us take on something small, imagine what that's going to add up to. That will go a long way towards lifting the soul, the neshama, in heaven of Ozzy Koltai, Elazar Yitzchak Ben Ruvain. Every small act, every bit of study in his honor will lift his soul and those of the other 44 who perished and will hopefully heal those who were injured. They are counting on us. So let's get to work. Oh, he bought give me the day. 
מדוע אתם שותקים? מדוע אתם שותקים,
JM in the AM. Why are we playing that song? Aside from the fact that I was just saying to myself how incredible a song it is. <laughs> it's such an unbelievable song. He was an incredible composer. Uh, we're reminding everybody that Mondays are Yom Yerushalayim special. Don't forget, make sure to tune in 6 until 9. It is our Yom Yerushalayim special this coming Monday morning. Mayor Weingarten will join me. We will um, we will play some great music, have some amazing conversation, and celebrate together. With all the specials we do, and there's a lot of special programming here, like Bomer last week, obviously, uh, Tu and Yom HaShoah, Yom HaZikaron, Yom HaTzmut. There's a lot of specials that go on every single year here at JM in the AM. There is something extra special about the Yom Yerushalayim special. Make sure you're tuned in this coming Monday, everybody. Don't miss it. You'll regret it. And who would want to have regrets? That would be awful, of course. So that happens uh, between 6 and 9 a.m. At 9 a.m., we'll play the one-hour Atarat Kohanim Yom Yerushalayim special that we collaborated with with Atarat Kohanim. And I do remind you that Atarat Kohanim has a matching campaign going on right now. A $125,000 matching campaign. If you've always wanted to support the security, the um, expansion of Jewish neighborhoods in Yerushalayim, here's your chance, and here's your chance to make it be uh, to make it uh, worth double. Just go to ateretkonim.org, ateretkonim.org, give, and uh, anything given now is being matched. Simple as that. Ateretkonim.org. And, of course, the special is this coming uh, Monday at 9 a.m. It's a big day, Om Yerushalayim. Getting ready for it. Mother's Day is Sunday. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. And then Sunday night starts Yom Yerushalayim. Rosh, we'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Sivan will be on Wednesday. Keep that in mind on this Shabbos Chazak. Big Shabbos. Big Shabbos. We're getting closer and closer to Yom Yerushalayim, closer and closer to Shavuos. Baruch Hashem. Malcolm Honline is going to join us. He's executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of major American Jewish organizations. He'll join us coming up. I remind you that Art Scroll has their incredible set sale happening as we speak. When you use when you go to the website to order a set or anything at artscroll.com, always use promo code radio. I cannot think of a better consumer piece of advice. When you go to artscroll.com, always use Promo code radio. And now that set sale is going on until the 19th of May. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abels and Hyman, kosher hot dog sausage and deli is the world's best, serving the kosher world since 1954, and available at better kosher supermarkets nationwide. Do what we do on Erev Shabbos. Enjoy a delicious A&H snack. <laughs> I'll be at Aaron's today. I may just load up on some more A&H snacks, frankly. I think I may need to do that. Uh, Malcolm Holmline coming up and plenty more. Keep it right here at JM in the AM.
Yeah, there's a pattern here. Sunday night is Yom Yerushalayim. Our Yom Yerushalayim special is uh, Monday morning between 6 and 9, followed by our Tarot Khanim one-hour special between 9 and 10. That's Eitan Katz with the Lee Yerushalayim, Aryeh Kunstler with Lee Yerushalayim. We may actually do those again on Monday morning. Why not? Lee Biba Mizrach done by Yaakov Shweki. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, uh, uh, day number 40 in the counting of the Omer. Five weeks, five days. We forgot to count last night. Make sure to do so sometime today. Erev Shabbos, Parshas, Bahar, and Kosai, Chazak. Uh, candle lighting at 738 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Rosh Chodesh Sivan is Wednesday. It's a one-day Rosh Chodesh. We bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh is Wednesday. And happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there as we get ready to celebrate this coming uh, Sunday. Our friends at JewishWorldReview.com have an amazing website and one that gives you the opportunity to print out thousands of articles before Shabbos. Oh, and before Yontav also, a, a two-day Shavuos coming up. Keep this in mind. Get into JewishWorldReview.com if you like to read about current events, especially vis-a-vis Israel and the Jewish world. You'll be enthralled by what they have to offer. Go to JewishWorldReview.com and enjoy. It's been a couple of weeks since we've spoken with uh, Malcolm Honline, and a lot has gone on, to say the least. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. I missed you last week. but um... Yeah, and what a week it was. Uh, last week we were uh, on the air as the news continued to filter in about the largest civilian tragedy in the history of the state of Israel. In light of what happened in Mehron one week ago, what are your thoughts? I mean, it's so uh, impactful. It's hard to, to even uh, with the passage of a week and the courageous words of many of the families of those who lost children. I mean, incredibly uh, strong demonstrations of Amuna Bitochen and, and the outreach on their part. But the... Um, traumatic impact, not only on, on all the people who were there, but everybody who saw it, the fact that thousands lined up in Tel Aviv, in secular Tel Aviv, to give blood for members of the Haredi community, largely, um, I think belies those who seek to divide, that when it comes to the bottom line, we are one people, the people mourned this from across the political spectrum and across the religious spectrum, and it's a shame that it takes this to, to remind us of the importance of, of uh, Achdus. And then, of course, there are a lot of questions about how it happened and what happened, and there are a lot of still, there's still a lot of speculation about it. But clearly it was, um, uh, there is a, a lot of uh, planning for future that will have to take place if they're to replicate it in the, in the years to come. Uh, yeah, lots to think about, no doubt, in the aftermath of this terrible episode. And, of course, Jewish unity, as you just pointed out, Jewish brotherhood and sisterhood, the bottom line, as you just said, of what it is to be a member of the Jewish faith certainly uh, had its opportunity to shine, one of the only silver linings, if you will, to an immense tragedy like this. Um a lot of thoughts, a lot of things to keep in mind. I know this is of no comfort to any family that is now suffering. Believe you me, I get that. 
but but when you look at the uh, at the history of these types of stampedes, these types of accidents, we don't want to. Obviously, this wasn't purposeful. These types of accidents that happen. I mean, there have been episodes in, uh, on this globe where thousands of people have died in episodes like this. Again, no comfort to the families. I understand that, but we have to understand that this tragedy could have been even much worse than it was. And there was great acts of heroism by young guys, even putting their own lives on the line, as two did to protect the child. And they did for a long time, and then they were found, all three uh, underneath together, holding on to each other. The two guys who stood over a nine-year-old so that they could withstand the crush, and unfortunately didn't uh, save them. Yeah. So that's an important lesson that we have to uh, remember, to say the least, about uh, the magnitude of this and how much worse it could have been. And, you know, there, I, 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 one of the initial reactions among some of the commentators was that this is going to have a big effect on the formation of a government in Israel. Now, I know that, you know, I, I, I'm not making this a political discussion, but, but is there any accuracy to that? Is, can, this, can this one episode really swing things during the, the uh, government-forming process? People try to because it comes at a very heated time with the government formation process underway so that they dumped on Netanyahu as, uh, as in, in additional ways. And in that way, regard, I do think it probably had, it had no impact on the negotiations and had no impact on the vote because the vote took place and people have expressed themselves. But it added to the climate, um, you know, where people are frustrated for so many weeks that there's no government that has been formed and not sure their coalition can be made right now. It looks like Lapid and, and Bennett and may be able to cobble it together, although there are others who, who think that we'll go to, the Israel will go to a fifth election, uh, which would not be uh, the best outcome, I think, at this time, but um, but may be necessary. So the um, it's just, it adds to the uh, climate, overall climate. Um, there'll be plenty of blame to go around. I think you alluded to that already. There'll be plenty of blame to go around once all the investigations are done, etc., uh, but what do you make of, and, I, and I'm sure you knew this before this tragedy even occurred, what do you make of all the reports that we're hearing and the uh, journalists who in the past and government officials who in the past have warned about all this? I mean, is there, do we have to examine our uh, air of cooperation um, that uh, that people, especially when gathering with hundreds of thousands of people, have with government and others who are trying to, or hopefully trying, certainly exposing, but maybe also trying to secure a, 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 po- a possibly dangerous place? Certainly something that's going to have to be looked at. Uh, you know, the, one of the police chiefs uh, local took responsibility, but he said that's not blame, just that we should have been more prepared or had more people there. But there are others who say that somebody had a heart attack and then they sealed off the area to get help to him, and mm. all of these things contribute. So until there's a full investigation, people shouldn't speculate. There's nothing to be gained. It doesn't bring back anybody. We should learn from it. Right. We have to also, I think everybody who was there and everybody who saw what happened, that in the future, take seriously that, that putting 100,000 people into a location like that could, in, 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 in different eventualities, it, I mean, there are a million different things that could happen. So it doesn't mean you don't hold events. It's like a football stadium, and many things could happen. 
it doesn't mean you don't hold the event, but you have to really take the precautions and do the proper training so that people know how to um, leave a, 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 if God forbid there's an incident. Um, but there also has to be a facility for it. And here it seems that some doors were closed or the passage was very narrow. So we have to learn much more. But I think recriminations is not appropriate at this time. I think you got to let people finish the shiva, come to terms with what occurred, help others who are in trauma and who are impacted by it, help the families that uh, left so many Yosomim, so many orphans behind. Uh, and then the, with time we will see the examination. I'm sure there will be very thorough investigations. There's too much public demand for it not yeah. to be. Uh, once in a while, I turn to you for philosophical observations. How do you uh, how do you account for the strength that some of the people who are now involved in this uh, state of mourning have displayed? I mean, I, I've checked in with a couple of families that I'm somewhat familiar with who are unfortunately in, now in a period of shiva, and it, it is remarkable to hear about the strength that the spouses of those who passed away, that the children of those who passed away, at least in the cases that I spoke to uh, different people. It is amazing um, how strong they are and the messages, as you described, that they are transmitting now to the entire world. How do you explain how they're able to deal with this? Uh, honestly, I don't know. Uh, you know, just as you can't question why sometimes things happen, you can question who's responsible, you, how you prevent it, you can do a lot of things. But, you know, the one of the mothers said when... Somebody came and he said, you know, he died too young. She said, no, this is the years that Kodesh Baruch Hu gave him. He fulfilled those years. He lived them well. I don't know where anybody gets that strength, and that um, that that is something that we can all aspire to, uh, hopefully for positive ends and in positive conditions. But people are superhuman, and, and it's not people go with a cape and fly in the air. It's people, regular human beings who manifest that kind of, of strength and have to live for the future for their families, and we have to make sure that it's it's all possible for them. Uh, and, you know, we see it from time to time. People are tested during the Shoah. Look how many superheroes there were. Yeah. Even so that many people didn't even talk about what they did or, or write about it until 70 years later. We learn about some of these amazing acts, and now we learn about things that happened even during the during that ter- tragic event. These acts of heroism, values of faith are very valuable. Wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Yeah. Pretty and at amazing. a time when people, there are too many who want to cancel the values and cancel the 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 history and the recognition and the lessons, and it's very important. Uh, this 19-year-old boy was buried yesterday, not from uh, Mayron, but from this terrorist attack that took place shortly after the Mayron episode. It, o- it always seems, ma- and maybe it's just that every one of them is so special and has this uh, uh, incredible story behind them, but it always seems that the enemy takes the greatest from among us, even at the age of 19. Um, a, a pretty remarkable reaction to his passing, and... Um, and it just doesn't it always seem like the the best the best always seem to be uh, um, um, hunted by the enemy, so to speak. It seems certainly seems so, but the truth is that that uh, we are remarkable people and have a high quotient of remarkable young people. Um, 
you know, I should mention also, you know, Rabbi Hamra, who was the chief rabbi in right. Syria, passed away right. uh, last night in Cholon, uh, Rabbi Abraham Hamra, with whom I worked very closely on the rescue of Syrian Jews. I was another hero right. who, who, you know, wasn't acknowledged. And by the way, there was a, a terrorist attack this morning right. in the, at one of the crossings and uh, at the Salem checkpoint. And Baruch Hashem, again, heroes who... who went out and counterattacked and killed two of the terrorists and a third wounded. And thank God, in this case, nobody, none of the soldiers were hurt. Right. But there are heroes every day. We just don't pay attention to them. Yeah, well, they were targeting Israeli soldiers. And yes, they seem all to be remarkable, the young among us uh, who are on the front lines, especially in Israel. Uh, it's getting scary what's going on in the eastern part of Yerushalayim. And I'm sure you saw the videos. I've been watching them this morning. I mean, they... These are pretty serious attacks, and uh, I, I hope this doesn't turn into full-blown riots. Well, it's not just there. It's, it, it, it comes within the context of a heated-up situation because of the Palestinian election, because they're trying to divert attention from the cancellation, which had nothing to do with Israel and nothing to do with voting in, in Jerusalem. Uh, Israel never stated that it wouldn't allow it. In the past, they allowed them to vote at, at post offices. But uh, people should note that, that Abbas scheduled the election for Shabbos. Israeli post offices are closed Shabbos. <laughs> Uh, you know, some again the press won't won't acknowledge, and he did it, um, and, and had nothing to do with that. That was just to cover, and then he in, tries to incite violence, and certainly uh, Hamas is doing it because they're trying to pitch their position uh, in the in Yudin uh, Shomron and in East Yerushalayim. So the, it's an elevated level. The demonstrations that took place, and whether the police acted strongly enough, or whether it was smart to close the Damascus Gate or not, again, stuff that that is being discussed and will be looked at. But the uh, events in Sheikh Jarrah, which are the immediate uh, source of some of the escalation, I mean, this is something that's been through the courts. That this is Jewish-owned uh, properties, which Palestinians are living, and in which is, uh, Arabs are living. Um, and don't want to leave, but I, but people again don't know that they were offered to be able to stay there for the rest of their lives, and then only after they die would the the full properties be taken back by the rightful owners who are Jewish. And you know this this was an ordered eviction after many years of of the discussion, and you know the Supreme Court in Israel is pretty tough on these situations and came down and ruled in favor of the Jews because it's a legitimate claim. And yet the media is portraying it as this, this is just some kind of wild Jews taking over a property and evicting the, the Arab residents. It's not the case. And, and, you know, they don't care. The Arab leadership doesn't seem to care about who dies as a result because it serves their political purposes. And as has been true for too often, they sacrifice the needs of their own people because it suits uh, some immediate uh, goal. Um, so, I mean, until first of all, is there a new date for PA elections, or they're no. postponed indefinitely? No, and, there's no date, and it's postponed, and we don't know yet what it will be postponed to. I mean, they'll say, well, it had to do with these the Jerusalem. It didn't. It looked like Hamas could well have won. The PA side is very divided. You have El Kidwe and Bergudi and. Uh, um, Dachlan dividing the vote, and uh, Abbas looked at it and saw that that he could well 
be history, and and Hamas might actually become the major party. And you can see the incitement, especially on TikTok, by by Abbas, um, as as those who are skeptical about what what the tactics they use. Um, that they um, so there's no new date set. And um, I mean, I see that Ben Gvir is opening an office already in, in Sheikh Jarrah, and uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, is is there a potential for this thing to come to an end before it boils over? Look, you're coming to the end of Ramadan. This is always a period of heated action. People fast all day, and then and they're easily incitable because everybody you know then breaks the fast and they watch television, and and as I said, they're using the internet uh, to to incite people. So. This is, um, you know, it becomes a flashpoint for for people to rally. Uh, if you look at the actual uh, pictures of the uh, films of the confrontations, they were more, much more restrained than than you would get the image. Um, but they can escalate immediately, and especially on Fridays, Fridays of uh, prayer Fridays, and this is a big one before the uh, end of um, of Ramadan which all of us know because it coincides with Rosh Chodesh. Right. So I, I usually know before my Muslim friends when <laughs> the Ramadan will be because we yeah. uh, next Rosh Chodesh. Year, next year it's Nissan. Yeah. But it can change. It can change, and it, it, yeah, it varies every year. Well, one uh, second. I yeah. thought it's a month earlier every year. Is it year the Nissan next year, etc.? It moves a month, right. right. I don't know what they do with Adar Aleph and Adar Bet, but I don't know. That's a good question, actually. Um, I'll have to ask my Muslim friends. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored digital radio around the world. The web at NalcolmSiegel.com and the NalcolmSiegel Network. And, of course, the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Does, it, does this case go back for appeal to the court or it's over with, this final decision on the on the housing? On the uh, buildings, I think there is still something in the courts uh, going on, but but the decision uh, for, to let them uh, move in was made. Right, but I think as I think there is still one aspect before the courts yet. Some interest- and I'm sure it gets appealed and appealed and appealed uh, in different ways. Well, that's what I'm wondering. Are we at the start of a three four year process here? No, or? no, no. I don't think so. Um, I mean, I'm not an expert on the legal processes of Israel, and I can never figure out the. Uh, court's ruling sometimes, but um, and I don't think so. Uh, a lot of interesting things this week regarding the formation of the government. Before Netanyahu was uh, was stripped of his um, capability, if you will, or permission to to form a government, and it went over to Lapid, he did offer Naftali Bennett prime ministership. Now, this was a little unusual because it seemed like he was offering him prime minister without the ability to offer him prime minister. What was that all about? Well, he could offer him because, um, uh, you know, if he if he got Bennett, then he could put together probably a coalition together with the Orthodox parties and some of the others uh, who might come in. But the numbers still didn't seem to add up. And mm-hmm. Bennett, like others who used to work for Netanyahu, uh, all vowed that they would not come in a government led by him. I think what was interesting is Netanyahu, I think, offered him to be the first in the rotation. Right of uh, the prime ministership. Showing just how desperate Netanyahu is. Uh, Exactly, and that uh, I think he saw the handwriting of the wall, that he was not able to pull it together. Look, it's still not over. I think that the chances for a new election are significant, Uh, but the president turned to Lapid and gave him the mandate to try and form a government. He's offering 
Bennett also the first in rotation you know, with the national unity government. Uh, it might have to include some very disparate elements. I don't know if the, uh, some of the religious parties, or UTJ, said they would not join that kind of a government. Um, but I think that others, uh, th- that are the numbers there. But the question is, do you count Ram in the Knesset as a supporting group to get to 61? Can they uh, really have Lieberman and religious parties together, given all the hostility he's demonstrated? Uh, there are many questions about, uh, and you know, who would really lead? I mean, I think it's it's a formula for uh, ultimate the dissension and division, divisiveness in in that kind of a government. But if you remember, Shamir and Perez uh, yeah. co-led a government, so it has happened. I didn't realize Lapid offered Bennett the first go-around as prime minister. That's what they reported. But what what is the likelihood of him forming a government? I mean, I you know you don't have to give me a number, but what, I mean, is, is it likely that he leaves this process having formed a government or not? It is possible, I would say, rather than likely. And that means, if it's only possible and not likely, that what you just said earlier in this conversation will likely come to fruition. Because aside from the two of them, Netanyahu and Lapid, I assume no one else will be, will be given the opportunity, and then they go back to another election. No, first it goes to the Knesset. Mm. And if anybody in the Knesset who can put together 61 votes, anybody, then becomes prime minister. Is that possible? That that would happen with an underdog? Right now, no, but, you know, people don't really have the stomach for another election. Neither the people nor the politicians. And, you know, you never know in politics it makes for strange bedfellows, as they say, and we don't know what what it will lead to. You know, on paper, it's doable. (laughs) On paper, I could find you natural partners that can get you to 61 if it goes back to the Knesset. And people want a ministry, and the people get rhymed, you know, with all sorts of goodies if they go on one side or the other. And you can always have defections. You know, it could be that members of Likud decide to to form a government without Netanyahu. There you would get a, a, a quick majority. I think uh, um, both Saar and Bennett and others would go into that kind of a government. I don't know who, who exactly would lead it, um, but... You know, there are many possible formulations. You know, it's funny. Two weeks ago, it, when we were speaking, it seemed like Saar was the uh, was the dark horse to be the, the 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 big victor here in this whole process. And now, and now he's added a whole thing. I mean, obviously, because Netanyahu can't negotiate anymore. But it's just amazing. Two weeks later, how much how many how much things have changed over there. And by the way, I'll tell you another thing that that changed regarding in the last two weeks. We all assumed that there would be an extension of Netanyahu's possibility of forming a government. We were talking about Shavuos, if you recall. And even that was, was negated by the president of Israel. So, no, well, first of all, Netanyahu gave it back and said, I can't form a government. So it wasn't just the president's decision. It was Bibi's recognition of the reality that he, he tried every formula possible. It didn't work. It wasn't going to work. Wow. And so, you know, this was the, the deadline. There one would have been an extension if he was at sixty and you know needed to find one more vote to to get it. But otherwise, the deadline was was set. Wow, I didn't realize that. And President Rivlin said from the start, "I'm not going to give an extension, and I'm not going to shop it around. I'm going to give one more an opportunity, and then give it to the Knesset." Right. He wanted a a realistic formation of the government. I guess Netanyahu couldn't prove that. Which means... and he, as you know, does not have much love for Netanyahu, so right. he was pushing other the parties to see if they could come together. Wonder if he regrets not taking the uh, president of Israel deal. 
the prime minister. There was no deal. That that was speculation. They they are not in a position to offer that deal. Uh, the press made that, it sound like it was a deal. I know. I said <laughs> that that it still was speculative. As was, as Malcolm Holmline would say, don't believe everything you read. Yeah, or or see. Right. Yeah, the internet's responsible for that now. I'll tell you that much. It's amazing what uh, how many mixed messages are being transmitted. Speaking of mixed messages, Mr. Honline, uh, I might argue that the government of Israel is sending mixed messages regarding travel to Israel. Uh, do you Can you make sense of anything that's been announced in the last week about the Americans traveling to Israel? Because it looks like the trip that we were that we were on is going to be postponed only because we can't get, or, or the people in charge, can't get definitive information uh, regarding what the state of Israel wants in order to accept travelers. Yes. So the answer is yes. It's totally confusing, <laughs> and, and announcements are made but not clear. And I feel terrible for the guys at the consulate who are being beaten up, and they are working all the time to get people in, especially those who have special needs. And you know, we many people called and are calling us. They call everybody. All we can do is pass it on. But we're not in position to issue visas or to get past the apostles or, or you know, that people need on their birth yeah, certificates. Apostles, just to be apostles. Right. No, no apostles. Right. No, the apostles <laughs> couldn't get in either today. But uh, but the, the uh, apostles people don't know. But it's a special uh, stamp that you get to get to authorize like a birth certificate and stuff that are needed. But more than that, there was also fraud, and that has, you know, set back the process now. There were several, you know, waves of it where people were getting student visas because students were allowed to go back, so people were taking advantage of it and getting fake documents, and and people that now barred for for coming to Israel for five years if they're caught doing that. Um, so that added another layer of complication onto it, but... It's it you know it's concern about um, which countries they can allow people in how, how many tests I know people who are going and you have to test right before you go and then three days after you get there and uh, even if you're vaccinated and the um, uh, so priority is given to emergency cases and especially where uh, lone soldiers families or where elderly parents uh, let alone if God forbid there's something uh, more pressing. And uh, many people are going. The planes are flying full. Many businessmen, others who who have to go back and forth, are given exemptions. But there will be for groups and individual tourists not likely till July. And I'm just preparing people that I'm not sure that for Sukkot, children will be able to get in if they're not vaccinated. Wow. And that would obviously change families' plans. Wow. It's certainly in mind, but uh, it has and put everything on hold till we know. I mean, again, things can change very rapidly. Um, and- there, was, there was a tweet this week. And by the way, I have to make this clear that this was not a tweet from the Israeli government, but it looks like they're quoting an Israeli report. It says, here are the 14 countries that Israel is opening its borders to. And of course, the U.S. is on the list. And it says this is for vaccinated tourist groups starting May 23rd. But based right. on but based on what we're we're saying in this conversation it's just not it's just not true that they you know we, we No, think- that is the that is the threshold that May 23rd groups 
uh, organized groups because then they have you know somebody to hold to account and make sure that they enforce the the rules. They saying that they starting May twenty third. It doesn't mean people are going to be start going then, but that's when the the um, rules right. are supposed to go into effect. So the there's qu- still clarity, yeah. a lack of clarity about a lot of the rules. So the question in our case is, and this is why you know there's such a question mark hanging over it is that you know are we ready to rely on mm-hmm. on this report because right. you know it's ever changing. So that's really what it comes down to. Are people ready to our groups? You know, especially when you're responsible for others. Are they ready to rely on this, that the 23rd really is going to uh, kick in uh, the, uh, the, the rule that people in a group could travel uh, to Israel? Uh, one of the things that I, I think um, it would be safe to say some people feared when uh, Joe Biden became president is that uh, the nuclear talks with Iran w- would in fact uh, end in an agreement rather quickly. And now, with relative silence out there, and that could be the media's fault, Regarding what's going on between the U.S. and Iran, it does look like, at least according to this New York Times report, that we are weeks away from an official deal with the Iranians. What's the story there? It's very hard to tell what the story is. I talk to people in Iran. I talk to people who are close to the negotiations. Um, I think people are being tight-lipped. There's a lot of speculation. A lot of this is not factual comments. Uh, a lot of it might be deliberate to keep people off guard and to diminish the opposition or to uh, allay fears. The fact is that we just, I, I, we don't know exactly. We know that the Iranians want a deal, that the Biden administration certainly wants a deal. The Europeans won't want a deal. The question is, can they come to the terms with it? What will be released? Will they release billions of dollars? Will they, I think the speculation that the $7 billion were about to be released was not true, uh, that the deal of a prisoner exchange so far does not appear to be true. Um, you, you have to take each aspect of this because, for one, Iran is continuing to escalate its violence. We see it in, in uh, with Hamas and Hezbollah. We see it in the Houthis. We see it against Iran and against Iran against some of the other countries. But at the same time, Saudi Arabia is now talking to Iran. We drove them to, to it. I think it's a, a concern about American disengagement, about you know what they see as the facts on the ground with um, and and uncertainty about the future. You see, Egypt just bought forty fighter jets from France. Um, a deal that might have gone to the United States. Mm. I, there are a, a lot of attendant things that, I mean, we could spend the day talking about all of the developments in the region right now. Um, and the changes in, in, for instance, you know, Iran is now, because of Israel's success in blocking the shipments or hitting the shipments that get to Syria, and they did again this week. And in fact, I think they, they the chemical plant in Erkum might have been hit, and, uh, they, and it shows that there are chemical warfare uh, efforts are, are still underway in Syria, but Iran's uh, infrastructure there has been hit repeatedly thousands of times. So now they're shipping it, and Russia, Russian ships now are accompanying them when they get to Syria, protecting them to come in and unload. So Israel either has to hit them when they unload, or hit them on the ships. There was an attack on a ship, an Iranian ship, uh, off the coast of Syria. Uh, I'm giving you examples mm-hmm. of various escalations that mm-hmm. are taking place now, and and the border in the north, of course, is hotter. And you know they've built tunnels. They're now doing much more with drones. They've got more advanced with drones in the south. They're sending balloons again, which have set fires. And because of the hot 
weather, you know, it carries the balloons in the direction they want and um, uh, across the border. And all I have to do is get across the border, and they set fire, and they have IEDs, explosive devices attached to them. So Iran is continuing all of its its uh, aggressive and negative actions, uh, and yet we're sitting there talking to them and trying to negotiate when we find out all the time how much they've lied about the steps they supposedly took, pouring cement into the into the reactors, and they did not, that they have the more advanced centrifuges that they're still enriching, and they're saying that they're willing to reduce the enrichment from 60% to 20% instead of the 3.5% that they're entitled to. And, you know, and of course the stockpiles. So I think there's a lot of speculation. There isn't uh, direct talks yet between officially between U.S. and Iran. It's all going through third parties and with the P5 plus one. Um, I, I, you see that, that France is taking a harder line on the Islamists, and, and that includes about Iran, and there's, you know, anger about Iran's um, nefarious activities in, in, in Europe and elsewhere, where they're inciting people uh, all the time to, to violence and to, to extremism. Um, and the biggest story, of course, was Arif's tape when we were of the foreign minister uh, tape of his three-hour interview, or might have been seven-hour interview, that was released, which included attacks on Soleimani, the revered figure, but also on the IRGC and saying they interfere with the diplomacy, and that the Russians uh, worked with them to try to kill the deal they negotiated, the original uh, JCPOA uh, deal. But the tape itself, uh, nobody's sure whether it was deliberately leaked because he wants to run for the presidency, so he carves himself as being, you know, to the to the more reform side, which is all relative. Nobody's really a reformer. They're all hardliners. It's just a question of who's more hardline. But uh, others say that it was leaked to kill his chances uh, of being a candidate. Uh, the election will be in four weeks, I think, less than four weeks, and already number quite a number of candidates have been put forward. And Zarif was uh, nominated by the Alanabia camp, the construction camp, which is not a construction company, but the name of the political party. He's one of three or four that they put forward. I wonder. So it comes in the context of their domestic elections, about their positions in in the in the region right now, and the desire for people to show progress. This was an administration priority. They said it from the get go. And the question is, what terms will they will they ex- exact for it? Are there still anti-government protesters in Iran? Because the reason all I all the time the reason I ask and they get no coverage. Absolutely good question. The reason I, all the time the reason I ask is I wonder if a deal, if it is imminent, like the New York Times is reporting, who knows if they're right? If it is imminent, I wonder if that would strengthen them or weaken them in their. It, pro- it devastates them. They they don't want a deal. They want this government overthrown and. They, you know, they've taken themselves, you know, to put themselves in very dangerous situations. But they are making their voices heard, and young people and others, and it has had an, an impact. But the, um, and they're not looking for another standout deal, because if, if billions of dollars come to Iran, it doesn't go to the people. Forty percent of the economy is controlled by the IRGC, Iran Revolutionary Guard, and the Supreme Leader's House. So nothing comes to them. It's only going to be used to to enforce the to reinforce the military, the IRGC's goal, and and that includes uh, going after Israel. Uh, the the people themselves don't have any confidence in the in the regime. Wow, unbelievable. 
Finally, it is the, uh, let me just make sure I have the right name, it is the Human Rights Watch, the latest watchdog to accuse Israel of perpetuating a version of the racist legal system known as apartheid. And I'm sure you saw the whole uh, Tlaib uh, uh, tweet, which I don't think she, even though the, the story was retracted about the uh, is settlers burning Palestinian land, I don't think she retracted the tweet yet, unless I missed it. Um, what can you tell us about the latest effort to call Israel an apartheid state? Well, it's part of a campaign, and you see it, whether it's in conditioning aid, whether it's in other efforts that uh, are going on. And, and the um, unfortunately, sometimes from within our own community, people want to ward down, water down the definition of IRA when finally 30 countries adopted the definition of anti-Semitism. So with examples, and then they want the examples about Israel removed. I mean, it's, it's, that is the most disturbing part of it when, when it comes from within. Uh, they're mostly extremist elements in the community. Uh, uh, or outside of the community, but the the um, um, it is it is true that the uh, you know the the efforts are uh, underway to whittle away mm. at the aid to Israel, mm. and they're using this now. Human Rights Watch has a long history of being hostile to Israel, a long history. What they do is they put out this report annually, but. This year, they went even further in attacking Israel and attacking Israel's legitimacy and calling it an apartheid state. And Chief Rabbi uh, of uh, South Africa wrote a uh, blistering piece saying, you know, you diminish it. You can't just hijack the word apartheid. Is there a systemic system? Is there? And, and you go through the real statistics about, about uh, Arabs in Israel, et cetera, and you'd see that it's, uh, it's, a, it's an insult to the anti-apartheid movement and to the sacrifice that were made. But it's a, there's a long history of this, and people who dismiss some of these incidents don't understand that this is all erosionary. It may look like a little bit, but when you put all these little bits together, you see how the ideas of conditioning aid you know, started with five or six people, but becomes more current where they're saying, well, we don't want to condition aid, but we can't give money if they're suppressing people. You know, we can't you see to it that American aid, when even in regard to Sheikh Jarrah, they say we want to make sure that there's no American aid going to any of those activities. Well, you know that you can't uh, cut the, uh, that thin a slice, and you know that it's only a, a sham because they are against aid to Israel, but they know that it's not popular to say that, and two-thirds, more than two-thirds of Congress has reiterated support, and, and I think it was 90% of the members of the House signed a letter about it. But... This is all cumulative. You can't just look at it as a snapshot. You've got to see the whole film. That's why every little battle is so important to fight. People need to remember that, especially in the in the court of public opinion. Social media, letters to different outlets, etc. It's all so urgent and important. 54th anniversary of the reunification of Jerusalem is coming Monday, everybody. It's our Yom Yerushalayim special coming up. Malcolm, I will wish you an early happy Yom Yerushalayim. And people, to remember, now that you feel it, you understand what it means to have been separated, not to take it for granted. Yep. You know, you see how others are trying to take it away. As soon as the doors are open, people should go. We reinforce yep. our presence in Yushalayim. You, you, you show the world, and, the you know, it is a matter of right. It is a matter of history. It's a matter of justice. It's a matter of our future. No and people should not take it for granted. They should be celebrating it, should be teaching our kids about it. Talk about the history of Yerushalayim going back to Avram Avinu and till to the current day. Excellent. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll speak next week. Good Shabbos. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays.
7.40 a.m. Eastern time here at JMN. By the way, yeah, <laughs> I'm with you, the people on the app that are talking about the calendar topics. I love calendaric trivia, even when it's not my own religion. Not only uh, is next year Ramadan and Nisan, which you'd expect because it goes you know earlier one month each year, in 2030, when there are two Adars, there are two months of Ramadan. How do you like that? So when it's supposed to be Adar and there's two Adars, they have two months of Ramadan. How do you like that, huh? At least that's what the internet tells me, assuming it's uh, correct. Boy, I'll tell you, calendaric topic. Josh Levine's going to love that one. Uh, I've gotten, I've gotten, uh, <laughs> I've gotten Josh very enthusiastic about our conversations about the Jewish calendar. Now I have to get him enthusiastic about other, other uh, religions as well. Um, shout out to Dini and Shmuley Lehrer of Westlake Village, California, on the birth of a brand new beautiful baby girl. That's Shayna Mazaltov. Um. Yeah, of course. It's it's 10 days earlier, according to the internet. I'm listen, this is listener Ita, who just wrote in. Uh, the reason I say I'm on the Jewish calendar, it's the previous month. So I always refer to it as a month earlier. But yes, it goes back 10 or 11 days um, in terms of um, how the Islamic religion uh, observes Ramadan. Anyway, <laughs> I never thought our topic today would turn to this, frankly. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, JM in the AM. Yom Yerushalayim special on Monday. Mayor Weingarten has never been busier preparing a Yom Yerushalayim special. And it's all happening this coming Monday, 6 till 9 a.m. And I hope you'll join us. I hope you'll join us. Boy, do I hope you'll join us. And then at 9 o'clock, the Aterat Karnim special. If you want your donation to Aterat Karnim to be doubled, give it today. Because... They have a matching grant up to $125,000. So if you want your uh, your donation to Aterat Kohanim to be doubled, do it today. Ateretkohanim.org. Ateretkohanim with a C, dot org. Um, candle lighting 738 in New York. Shabbos Chazak. Rosh Chodesh will be Wednesday. Rosh Chodesh Sivan is Wednesday. And happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there in our audience. This time each and every uh, Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation, spiritual leader emeritus, Congregation Shomri Torah in uh, Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading the parashios of Baharim Bechu Kosai. It is Shabbos Chazak. According to the Chinuch, there are a total of 36 mitzvos between the two parashios. Parshas Bahar has seven positive mitzvos and 17 restrictions. And Parshas Bechukosai has seven positive mitzvos and five restrictions. And we finish Sefer Vayikra, Torah's Kohanim, as we are rapidly approaching the Yom Tov of Shavuos. Parshios, Bahar, and Bechukosai have within it the very important theme of Shemitah slash Yovel, namely the Torah, which is divine, 
because no government in the world could ever make the law that the Torah says, namely, work the six years and the seventh year, all the farmers have the year off. My goodness, how can the economy thrive? So, the Torah says, just in case you should ask that very question, right? And you're going to ask, Manochal, what are we going to eat if we're not going to plant and we're not going to harvest? So, Kodesh Baruch says, I will literally command my blessing and the land is going to produce. Now, keep in mind, unlike all over, where farmers have what is known as crop rotation, be it after every two years or after every pause that they give the land the opportunity to lie fallow so that it shall renew itself and its nutrients. Here the Torah says, work the land straight for six years. And as a result of your complying with these laws, the sixth year, which after all, you would expect you'd get the least amount because you've been working it straight, is going to give enough which is going to provide for not only the uh, seventh, but part of the eighth as well. So six, seven, and eight are all going to come from that sixth year. And the rabbis tell us even stronger that there are two ways a a bracha can come. A bracha can come either qualitatively or quantitatively. The quantitatively means that instead of the sixth year producing the usual amount, it will produce three times as much, in which case it's going to be a blessing, but also a bit of a job for the Jewish farmer who has to build more silos in order to store the food, etc. The other way is a bracha, not in quantity, but in quality. As Rashi says, the bracha is going to come bimeyav. It's going to come within the individual. What does that mean? That usually a full sandwich, two halves of a sandwich, is what's necessary to satiate an individual. Here, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to give a bracha that half the sandwich is going to completely satiate the individual. Not that he's going to put up with it and, okay, he'll manage. No, the answer is he's going to be completely satiated. We are dealing with clearly something which is taking place only in Eretz Yisrael because once again what's coming out of the parsha is that the land of Israel is Lamala Minateva and yes the Torah is asking us to conduct ourselves Lamala Minateva and HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the land respond in kind and in return And so, as you continue 
in Parshas Bahar, where the Torah tells us in chapter 25 regarding Pasuk 35, 36, and 37, if somebody becomes impoverished and he comes and he comes and asks for you for assistance, the Torah says, hold him up. And first of all, ideally try to get him a job. And if not, the answer is give him a loan. And in order that he has his dignity. Now listen carefully now. When you give him a loan, the Torah says, you are not to take from him neshech v'sarbis. You're not to take a bite out of him. You're not to charge him interest. Now what's the reason for this? The Torah has the prohibition of interest in parshas, mishpatim, it has it here in Bahar. It has it a third time in Parshas Kiseitze. And Hanachri Tigos Sigos. If you're asking why can't you take interest from another Jew, the answer is he's your brother. And just as hopefully from your biological brother, you would not take interest if he turned came to you and asked you for a loan. So too we ought to treat each and every Jew as our brother. How Ever. In addition to that, the Kleokor gives a beautiful interpretation and explains why is it that you can't take interest from another Jew. And he says as follows, Ki ikor tam isoharibis, the reason for this prohibition is lefishu mesir midas habitochon mino odam. The one who engages in this practice removes from himself the mito, the characteristic of bitochon, of imuna and trust in Hashem. How so? He goes on to say that whoever is involved in business, before they approach somebody to have a business deal, I want you to purchase my product from me as opposed to somebody else. So besides straightening out my tie and making sure that I don't have bad breath when I speak to you, I look upstairs and I say, Hashem, I need this sale. I need to send my children to yeshiva. I need to pay tuition. I need to pay my rent. I need, I need, I need. So consciously or subconsciously, a person looks up and says, Hashem, I need your assistance. However, if a person lends on interest, think about it now. He's giving them a thousand dollars. He's getting back a thousand plus. And how could he sleep at nighttime? Maybe you won't pay the thousand. Forget about the thousand plus. You have his collateral. You have his gold watch, which is worth at least a thousand dollars. So you can sleep at nighttime. So what are you saying in essence? Hashem, take the day off. I don't need you. And the answer is no. The way society is, is set up, if we only take that step back and realize we go into business as a realization to us each and every day that He, Hashem, is in control. He is the one that gives us our parnasa. And just as it's so clear to the Jewish farmer that Hashem is the one that's providing because he's not working and the land is going to produce for him, etc. So too does the uh, laws of Rebus as well remind us that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the one that's in charge. And the further, the Chinuch writes in Mitzvah Pei Dalid, where the first time in Mishpatim, the Mitzvah of Shemitah is recorded in the Torah. He says that the mitzvah of Shemitah 
gives the individual the opportunity of developing his character that he's going to be relinquishing. He's going to realize that he can give to others, not just be a taker, but more important, to be a giver. The Torah, once again, is refining our character. It's the Torah which makes us into the very special good people that we strive to be. We find ourselves, unfortunately, towards the end of the Shiva, of the tragedy which occurred at Meiron, just at the height of our Simcha, at the time of Lagba Omer. And I don't have to tell you how this is so challenging for each and every one of us, but I believe that we have to look once again into this week's Parsha. The Rambam, in the beginning of Hilchos Ta'anis, writes that Lo Aleinu, when tragedies occur to the Jewish people, a person is to respond by calling out to Hashem, by doing introspection, by recognizing and realizing that this is not by chance. Avo, imlo yizaku, in chapter 1, Halacha Gimel of Hilchos Tanios, the Rambam writes, if you don't call out and you don't davin, Eliyomru, but what do you say? Dovorzeh, miminaga olam, trefzach, it happens, tragedies occur. Oyayay, if a person has that response, says the Rambam, Harezu derech achzorios, this is a a manner and a response, nothing less of cruelty, the goremes lohem, lidovek b'maseyem aroim, and unfortunately, it causes people not to change, but to stay where they are. This is life, this is the way things happen. And lo'aleinu v'tosef atzorot soros acheros, lo'aleinu, it only paves the way for more tragedies. Hu she'kosov, Torah, that's what we find in the second parsha that we're going to read the Shabbos. Should you go with me, Bekeri, that it just is a mikra, it just so happens, then then I will, Hashem says, conduct myself with you appropriately. And therefore, I don't claim to have any insights. However, number one, each and every one of us, it's a time of introspection. Each person has to look at himself and to bolster at such a time, Pasha's Bahar, Pasha's Bechukosai, their Emuna and their Bitachon, and Aaron, from whom we have to learn. What does the Torah tell us? That when Aaron suffered his sorrow, Vayidom, Arum was silent. Of course he had what to say. Of course he had what to, quote, complain from a human point of view. How could you do this to me at this special time of great simcha, etc.? And the answer is Vayidom. So too we have to learn this very important midah, this very important trait of Aaron HaKohen. And let's understand something that 
Each and every day there's a minhog which is spread throughout the Jewish world. We recite the Shema. And what do we do? We cover our eyes when we say the Shema. Why? I'm sure there are many reasons. But one of the reasons is, my friends, because listen to the words of the Shema. The words of the Shema, as understood by the Malbim, Shema Yisrael, listen carefully, Israel, Hashem, which is the name of God, which is Rachmanus, the, the God of mercy, Elokeinu, which is the God of Din, right, Elokim, Din, judgment, Hashem Echod, He is one. We cover our eyes because we don't want to ever judge Hashem. We don't want to ever speak that which we should not speak. And therefore, the idea is that when HaKadosh Baruch Hu appears to Moshe at the burning bush, and Moshe says, tell me your name. And Hashem says to him, Zeshmi le'olam. <clears throat> Zeshmi le'olam. Olam is forever. My essence, I am here forever. But the word Olam is written in chapter 3 in Shmos by the burning bush, Choser, without above. And the Gemara in Psachim, Dafnun, Amad Aleph, teaches us, Zeshmila Elem, this is my name and I am revealed. We just don't understand. But we have to learn from, just as the the first opening medrash in Vayikra Rabbah applies to the Shovsei Shviyas. Rabbi Yitzchak says the Pasuk in Tehillim, Kuf Gimel Pasuk 20, 10320. Baruchu Hashem Malachav, blessed Hashem, O his angels. Gibore Choach Ose Devaro, the strong warriors who do his bidding. And who are these strong warriors which do his bidding? So Rabbi Yitzchak says it refers to Shomre Shvius, those farmers that have the ability to watch day in, day out for an entire year, everybody being on their property, taking their produce and not saying anything. And we have to learn this Midah as well. Well, I quote from the Igeres Hagra, and the Igeres Hagra says that if a person wants to conduct himself and improve himself, what area of tshuva, what area of repentance should he try to work on? He says, and I quote, Yoser Mikol HaTanesim, more than all the fasts, visigufim, and any kind of self-denial that a person might adjust or take upon themselves ba'olam chol rega v'rega every moment she'odam chosim piv that a person literally keeps silent keeps his mouth shut zoche b'shvilo l'or ha'gonos he gains for himself that hidden light she'ein malach u'briah that the angels and other people other beings cannot yecholim l'sha'er they cannot even appraise and uh, evaluate the, the great merit thereof. Too much of Shalom bias is broken when one person responds to the other. You hear something 
which could be potentially fleering, which could be potentially the cause of a great argument, be smart. Keep quiet. And I'm saying that we have to learn from this tragedy, each and every one of us, to bolster our amuna. We don't understand it. We accept it. We recognize Hashem Koma to Ovid Rachmona Latav. Whatever he does is for good. If you have time, my friends, take out the Ramban in Perik Yudalid in Sefer Devarim, Posuk Aleph, fifth book, chapter 14, Posuk 1. And the Ramban writes there how to respond loalenu to tragedy, to recognize and realize the more than our earthly parents love us, Avinu Shabashamayim loves us even more. We have to keep quiet as Aaron did, and we have to be macabre upon ourselves that we will keep quiet at other times and prevent flaring arguments thereby being mezaka ourselves and bringing an Eloi to their precious neshamos. Good Shabbos and Shabbos Chazak for all of Klal Yisrael.
J.M. in the A.M. Regesh from volume number seven on a Friday morning. We'll dedicate that to all the moms out there. Happy Mother's Day, of course, on this uh, J.M. and the A.M. Friday morning. Erev Shabbos, Parshas, Bahar, and Bechu Kosai. Omer, day number 40. Day number 40 in the counting of the Omer. I forgot to count last night. Make sure to do so sometime today. Don't forget. Uh, Rosh Chodesh Sivan is Wednesday. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Sivan will be Wednesday. We'll be on the road next week. Thursday's broadcast will be from a prominent community in the state of New Jersey. Thursday morning, this coming Thursday, a uh, broadcast, a JMN broadcast from a prominent community in the state of New Jersey. A community that, frankly, I go way back with. That'll be coming up on, uh, Thursday morning right here at JM and the AM. Monday morning, it is our Yom Yerushalayim special. The much-anticipated Yom Yerushalayim special every single year. Yom Yerushalayim special begins at 6, goes till 9. Mayor Weingarten will join me between 9 and 10, the Aterat Kohanim special. Go to ateratkohanim.org for details on that. We're getting set for an amazing and incredible Monday here at JM in the AM. Well, our friends at shopeichlers.com have announced that their mega Shas sale is on. They've got the Art Scroll Shas, the Ozva Hadar Shas. Sale is on until the 14th of May. In addition to that, they have the Chumash Mikra Meforosh, the Chumash Mikra Gedolos, the Shulchan Aruch, the Tour, all these sets on sale. Uh, if you go to shopeichlers.com, shopeichlers.com has same-day delivery to many neighborhoods in New York and New Jersey. You can get information by dialing 718-874-9771. And of course, as we always recommend, 
Just go to shopiclers.com. Their mega shot sale is on. It goes till the well, it's actually on starting this coming Sunday until the 14th of May. Take advantage at shopiclers.com. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at AH. Abel's and Hyman makes traditional kosher delicacies, pastrami, corned beef, salami, and more. Old world classics, beef fry, kishka, and more. And modern, better for you kosher products, including no nitrate added, reduced fat, and reduced sodium hot dogs, plus many other unique items. Visit the website, kosherdogs.net, and try. A&H today. Well, our good friend Ralph Rosenbaum and everybody at Rosenbaum Financial Services remind you that tax day is right around the corner. wonder how many people realize that tax day is right around the corner. But is it officially May 17th, right? Officially. Taxes play an integral role in all of life circumstances. At Rosenbaum Financial Services, they're able to identify planning opportunities based on information within your return. To learn more about the Rosenbaum Financial Services, visit TaxCPA2.com, TaxCPA2.com, or call 1-800-829-2722. Plus, anybody who emails them, Ralph at TaxCPA2.com, they'll send you their no-obligation research on the dirty dozen tax scams to watch out for. TaxCPA2.com, our good friend Ralph Rosenbaum and his amazing staff. I mentioned yesterday that... um, we learned of an initiative by Partners in Torah. just want to read it the way they put it. Give me a second. Uh, we learned of an initiative of uh, Partners in Torah. Lave Lave is the name of the program. Lave Lave Partners in Torah for Teens and Adults with Special Needs, is looking for male mentors who are friendly, patient, and ready to make a difference. Want to build a connection and inspire another Jew? Go to partnersintorah.org. Partnersintorah.org or call 1-800-STUDY-42, 1-800-STUDY, the number four, and then the number two. Again, the website, partnersintorah.org slash lave-lelave. That's L-E-V-L-L-E-V. And to get the information uh, to become a partner at Partners in Torah. Uh, finally, when you go to artscroll.com over the weekend, when you go to artscroll.com over the weekend, do yourself a favor, use promo code radio. If there's one thing we've learned, when you visit artscroll.com, it always pays to use promo code radio. Uh, their big set sale is on right now at artscroll.com. Um, the Chumash, the Halacha, the Navi sets, they're all on sale 30% off. Use promo code radio. You get free shipping no matter what the cost. Simple as that. So again, the lesson, everybody, whenever you visit artscroll.com, always use promo code radio. Getting set for our Yom Yerushalayim special this Monday. Make sure to join us. Matis this coming Sunday starting at 7 a.m. Eastern time. He'll be live, of course. I'll run me tomorrow night with Saturday Night Siegel. All day long, amazing programming. Naomi Nachman's coming up next with a new show, and then Mark Zamek and the Arab Shabbos show, all brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Time to say good Shabbos at JM and the AM. is going down It's shining through the trees Another week's gone by Become a memory So throw Shabbos, cause all your work is done.
Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSingle.com and the NachumSingle Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Pretty amazing week, huh? I would say so. Our thoughts with everybody going through such difficult times, especially those families who are suffering during this week of Shiva and the global Jewish community. Yom Yerushalayim special is Monday. Make sure to be tuned in. Matis is on Sunday morning with yet another amazing presentation that we call JM Sunday. Avrami tomorrow night with Saturday Night Seagull. Coming up next is Naomi Nachman with Rabbi Elio Turk of the Jewish Heritage Center with their brand new Shavuos program. The comic cook Malki Knopfler is on next. And the bourbon rabbi Rabbi Chaim Litvin is on next with Naomi. Then Kedem presents the Arab Shabbos show with Mark Zamek and our Arab Shabbos music mix all day long, all the way until the final hour at about 6.30 tonight. 
Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. Have a wonderful Shabbos, wonderful weekend. Happy Mother's Day, all to all the moms. Till Monday, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember to past, live the present, and trust the future.